This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 39 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. This is Thanksgiving week. And I've had a lot of time to think and reflect on all of the blessings that have come my way. Growing up, I did not come from a hunting and fishing, nor really an outdoor family. Although that spark has always lived deep somewhere within me, I was always interested in learning more about nature, wildlife, and firearms, so much so that I did my own research and pursued a career in wildlife management. I traveled six hours away from my hometown to go to school to earn my bachelor's degree in wildlife and zoology, and I have a master's degree in human dimensions of wildlife management in the forestry program. So all of my passion for learning more about wildlife and the outdoors came together when I went away to school and earned my two degrees. My original passion was to become a vet, but my first day when I came into my advisor's office as a freshman in college and I looked ahead at the 47 more years ahead of me taking nothing but physics and biochem, I realized that that may not be the best career path for me. I wanted to get right into hands-on wildlife management. So I shifted my career focus just a little bit, and that's how I landed in the wildlife program and did a lot of hands-on, a lot of research, a lot of field labs, which fell right in line with my spark and desire to learn more about the outdoors and be a part of it. One thing that really struck me as I was going through my undergrad was there really wasn't that many women in the wildlife program. There's a lot of um, guys that were your biologists, but the women really didn't gravitate towards those courses. Showing my age here a bit, I studied in the late 1990s in my undergrad and my graduate research. Going on to my graduate program, I was in the forestry department. And there was only zero professors who were women in the forestry program. 
I never had intentions of going on to get my master's degree until when I was a senior in my undergrad program, I had the fortunate encounter to work with a local wildlife biologist for the state. And working with him, he basically told me that if I don't go on to get my master's degree in the wildlife field, there's really nothing that would set me apart. He basically told me that in the wildlife field, a bachelor's degree in wildlife management 20 years ago was pretty much equal to a high school diploma. He said, you have got to stay on, you have got to keep going, and you've got to get that extra degree that'll set you apart and make you more desirable when you're looking for a career one day. So that said, going back to the forestry department, he recommended that I get a master's degree in that program to balance my undergrad in wildlife. So I did go into the forestry department and I was fortunate enough to meet with the dean and he told me that they just were hiring the very first female forestry professor. He told me that I would be her first graduate student and her background is also wildlife management. So it was a perfect fit. So again, all of my stars were aligned and I was in the right place at the right time being in the program under the first female professor in that department. Flash forward two years throughout my graduate student program, um, one thing my professor loved to do was to submit abstracts all over the country. And she'd say, oh, by the way, we got accepted and you're going to go speak at this conference in this particular state. And so she would give me the presentation and I would work on that. And what that was doing in hindsight was breaking down the number one fear in America, public speaking. I can't even recall the number of presentations that I gave as a graduate student all over Southeast, South, and East Eastern United States, speaking to topics about wildlife, wildlife management, the outdoors, and the human dimensions factor when dealing with hunting, fishing, and all other activities that um, people are involved with. I was about to give a big presentation to a big statewide wildlife conference. The night before my presentation, I wanted to find out what people were wearing. So in true fashion, you know, I sat back and I looked around the room and looked at what the women were wearing who were going to be at the conference. And I counted in this huge auditorium. Again, this was 20 years ago, but in this huge auditorium where people were starting to make their presentations that evening, There were seven women in that auditorium of about 300. So talk about pressure, talk about overcoming the number one fear, public speaking. It was at that point I realized I was truly blessed to stand apart, stand alone, and stand out in this type of career path and make myself known in the wildlife field. I guess that's partly my gift of courage, gift of strength, that I wasn't afraid, I wasn't intimidated, I knew my information, I knew my material, and I did my presentation and I nailed it, of course. It was moments like those bursts of confidence that led me to where I am today. Again, I've had a lot of time this week to really reflect on the different things in my life that have led me to where I am today. Sometimes you don't realize when things are happening how fortunate you are to be in the position that you're in. I graduated with my master's degree and I had opened up my job search nationwide at the time. My master's research was studying human dimensions of wildlife management. I basically was studying the motivations of hunter, boater, 
bow hunter, trapper, and snowmobile education instructors in the state of Illinois. It was a pretty specific master's thesis. I was studying the motivations and why people volunteered. When I opened up my job search, I found a job that was almost verbatim what my master's thesis title was. The state of Texas was looking for a person who could manage the volunteer hunter education program for all of Southeast Texas. It was like the job description was written specifically and exactly for me. I applied for the job, flew to Texas, thought I did a great job during my interview, made some wonderful friends right out of the shoot. Texans are pretty awesome people, by the way, and flew back to my college to finish my coursework and to graduate. And my professor had given me one more assignment to go to Missouri to make another presentation at a national conference. I made a presentation, came back to my hotel room, and received a phone call offering me the job in Texas. So in May, I graduated with my master's degree. June, I loaded up my U-Haul, trailering my little S10 pickup truck with no air conditioning because I didn't need it in the Midwest. Drove it all the way to Texas, unloaded, got myself all set up here on the Texas Gulf Coast, started work July 1st, hit the ground running. So my research, my background, the stars aligned, however you want to look at it, and it landed me here in Texas, surrounded by wonderful people that I've become lifelong friends with to this point. So my very first opportunity to do a program, I had to go to a school to make a presentation. And there happened to be the captain of the game wardens that was also in the presentation um, area where I was speaking. Got to know him, got to speak with him. And the following month, I had another program that I was going to be running. And part of my program was to have game wardens come to give presentations and run background checks on people that wanted to volunteer in my program. So I met the captain and I said, hey, you know, don't forget next month I have my program. Can you please send me a game warden? And he looked at me and said, don't worry, I've got the perfect one. So the next month came, this was into September now, and I was giving a program and a game warden showed up. And it was John and we did the program together and immediately hit it off and started dating. And our first date was in Galveston. And our first trip was on his boat to go redfish fishing. I caught some really cool fish and a really big redfish. I brought it home and we brought it to his parents' house to give them my offering, I guess you could say, my offering to be part of the family. And I gave him the redfish and he cooked it up for us. John's parents did a lot of fishing, crabbing, dip netting, and all things outdoors. So I was introduced to a whole new world of coastal living, so to speak. It was a short time after in December where John and I were engaged And the following June, we were married on the beaches of Mexico down in Playa del Carmen. Everything up until that point, I've realized, was all about the outdoors. We had an outdoor wedding on the beach, surrounded by family and friends and loved ones. And everything that led up to all of my connections so far 
had something to do with the outdoors and with nature. John and I love to go camping, fishing, hunting, hiking, again, everything outdoors, so much so that we made two trips back to back down to the jungles of South America, and we spent 14 days fishing up and down the Amazon River. It was the most incredible experience I've ever had, and hopefully someday I'll be able to go back and we can take our family so they can also share on this adventure. Those will be future podcasts where I'll talk about our peacock bass fishing and singing with the howler monkeys and getting to hold on my bucket list a sloth. But that'll be on a future podcast. So hopefully you'll tune into those someday soon down the way. So flash forward even further, having kids. Um, We have four boys and we are all about the outdoors and hunting and fishing and camping and Boy Scouts and trapping and everything we do as a family has something to do and it's integral that we have an outdoor connection with all of our adventures. I thought a lot about growing up and then my adult life and I've spent almost equal amount of time in Texas as I have where I grew up in the Midwest. And getting close to my father-in-law, the person who I brought the fish to back 20-some years ago, um, he started getting sick. And so he had a lot of issues, congestive heart failure, and he had a low heart rate, um, lots of other things going on with him. And he, he was 92, and we actually lost him this week. It's been very challenging, very stressful, very sad, but... Again, forcing myself to really take a step back and look at the big picture and what we've accomplished and how close our entire family was. Um, We lost John's mom in 2012, and it was really hard um, because she pretty much helped raise our kids. And now um, with his dad, we were doing everything for him and with him. He lived alone all the way up until about six months ago when he's been in and out of the hospital more frequently with fluid buildup and then his kidneys started to shut down and things like that were happening. And he was living with us because he was just afraid to be alone and didn't want to, um, he was a very social person. And my boys really stepped up and helped take care of him up until the end. So he was with us and um, we ended up all saying goodbye and we were with him by his side when he passed on. He saw his wife um, after he received the sacrament of the last rite. Um, He saw his parents. He saw two angels and three apostles and had a smile like I've never experienced on the face of someone passing. And his spirit left us, and it um, wasn't much longer after till his body finally shut down. And why am I saying all this? Because we have had to spend the last several days going through the details, getting ready for his services, and we had to go through all the pictures. And so I was going through my phone and the thousands of pictures I have on my phone, I knew, but you don't realize until you step back and, you know, pay attention sometimes how many things we all did together, how much of a part he was of our kids' lives and who they are and shaping them 
instilling tradition, instilling values. And of course, the connection I have and I'm so proud of is instilling the love of nature and the outdoors. He has a house on a corner lot with a huge backyard. And he was always out teaching the boys how to plant, how to garden, how to identify trees, how to identify insects and bugs and all the living critters out there. They had a love and respect for nature. They went crabbing together. They went fishing together. So my kids' passion for the outdoors was deeper and beyond just us as their parents teaching. It was through the grandparents and the love of nature and the outdoors and carrying on those traditions. The other thing that, again, you don't realize sometimes, you can't see the forest through the trees expression when somebody's gone the things that your kids say, how impacted they were from those who have passed on. The meaning of the time spent together or sayings or comments or those life lessons that were taught from such an early age. You know, my boys were so um, involved, especially as, you know, my father-in-law started failing and, and getting a little bit weaker over time. Um, they were so involved in helping him cook and helping him, you know, maintain his house and, and little things like that, that sometimes we take for granted, but taking care of our parents and our grandparents, you know, is, isn't for sissies and it's a lot of work. And they realized you know, the importance of family values and um, the meaning and the stories that grandpa used to tell or, you know, papa used to tell stories about his parents and, you know, how their work ethic um, was because everybody back in the day after the depression, you know, they all owned a grocery store. So, you know, papa would tell the boys all about hard work and, you know, making a living and what it's like to, you know, not want for more than than you need and, and greed and all of those life lessons that um, you don't realize are being absorbed by your own kids until they're gone. And some of the things that the boys have been talking about this past week have been really emotional on what a big part he was in their lives. Towards the end, we obviously knew all the doctors and all of the specialists, and we had a, a big expandable folder filled with, you know, daily logs of blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen saturation, all that good stuff. So we would carry this folder around from specialist to specialist, and we had a, a very good relationship, almost, you know, family type relationship with these doctors because we were seeing them sometimes twice a week there towards the end. And one thing that every one of the doctors said, and it really stuck, and it really means a lot, and it affirms that we are doing the right thing in the way that we're raising our kids. One thing that all of the doctors had said to us, me, to myself and my husband, John, is that they hardly ever see families taking care of the elderly as much as we did, meaning too many times it's hard. And, and it is. It was some of the hardest times I've ever experienced having him and taking care of him in levels that I'm not trained for. But what do you do? You do the best you can 
to give the best quality of life that you can with your loved ones. And all of the doctors had told us that, you know, it wasn't like we were checking him out of the nursing home and bringing him into these appointments. He was living with us. And even though he got to a point where he was so weak, he couldn't even walk. It took the strength of, you know, my two football players and my six foot tall, you know, son and and my youngster who outweighs me, you know, it took the strength of all of my boys to deadlift him up out of one chair into his wheelchair out of the wheelchair, into my car, and onward to the appointments. And it was truly a team effort to take care of Papa and our loved ones. And that went beyond notice when we were going places and and the doctors had said that. So I was really um, touched by that. And my boys have heard that and they... I think it's going to go a long way, and I all I can hope for is that one day they're going to do the same for John and I when we're not able to walk like we are right now, and hopefully they'll carry on those traditions of love and caring um, like we did for our parents. So all of that, this has just been an emotional roller coaster of a week, but it has brought me back to the word thankful and It's just beyond, you know, thank you for the food on my table. It's just so much deeper than that with the family and the family bond and the the life lessons that have been passed on. And again, you don't realize sometimes that those things are happening until you hear your own kids, you know, repeating things that they were taught since they were little bitty. And sometimes they don't share that with mom and dad, but it was only when they were around their grandparents that those experiences were happening. But now that the grandparents are gone, they're really stepping up and sharing some stories that um, that have been really impactful in their lives. So thankful, it's a whole new term, a whole new set of meaning for me now. Um, watching my boys cope, watching my boys grieve, and appreciating um, the the gift that they've had to spend with their papa until he lived a long, fruitful age of 92. I am so grateful for the support of family and friends and community who've rallied around our family to help in um, little things like getting our mail, um, of course, the meals. I never really understood why people go to food when um, people are grieving or people lose loved ones. Everybody seems to bring food. Being the recipient of that, I now understand the importance of that because these last several days have been an absolute blur. Um, there are times and moments that I don't even know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. It has been so emotionally stressful and draining that um, I've, we've just been very grateful for all of the support all the way around. Um, that said, um, a lot of people think that you know, it's going to be hard and it is, it's going to be very hard, but we have no regrets. Um, We've done everything and said everything and spent all of our time when they were here with us. So that said, um, we know that their wishes are being fulfilled. Um, For example, on Thanksgiving, all Papa wanted, that was his favorite holiday, was gathering the entire family and grandkids around his dining room table 
And he got a new table this year and was so excited to sit around his brand new table and never got to do it. So what we did to, on Thanksgiving was we cooked, we baked, we did everything like we always do. And we took four trucks down to where he lives, which is about five minutes away from where we live. And we had Thanksgiving in his memory and his honor around his brand new dining room table. So hopefully he's looking down on us smiling and knowing that we're carrying out his good work. Um, so it just gives a deeper meaning to being thankful and being blessed um, this year, especially um, in 2020. I hope we never have another year like the year 2020. It has been nothing but upside down and surprises and twists and turns all around. Um, but I am thankful and blessed and Everything of who I am, um, every part of my being has stemmed from the past and the great influences in my life. And mostly, um, I have a huge connection to the outdoors. So when I was going through all those pictures, as I mentioned earlier, the point I wanted to make was, yes, we were so involved and we did so much together as a family and he was a part of almost every picture that we were in. The majority of those pictures were right in the outdoors, whether it was sitting with a line in the water crabbing or fishing or going on a pontoon boat ride with some of our friends in Galveston or whether it was having the kids pick satsumas off of his tree. All of the pictures that I've looked at and reflected on that are going to be part of his slideshow next week, they all have some kind of an outdoor flair. And again, it just brought me back full circle, realizing how much the outdoors has played a part in shaping who I am and me passing that on to my own kids and watching them grow up with those same values. And hopefully they'll have the, those same traditions to carry on for many years to come. I know the outdoors has played a big part in their lives and everything that they do and all that they share with their own friends. Yeah, they do sit around and play video games more than I'd like, but they're the first ones to drop those remotes and head outdoors if we say, hey, let's go to the gun range, or let's go shoot a bow, or let's go set some traps. There's absolutely no hesitation whatsoever for those kids, my kids, to put down their phones and electronics to get outdoors. So that said, I know that we've done our part by instilling what nature can do to an individual, to a family and to traditions. So hopefully everybody has a blessed and wonderful rest of your Thanksgiving holiday. There's a lot of excitement coming up with Christmas, and there's still more hunting seasons around the corner. There's no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters, and making memories that last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org or follow us on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.